Welcome to Five Star Weekly, everyone. PT Watch is officially over, ladies and gentlemen. The man is an Atlanta United player. But now that everything is done and dusted, we're left wondering, what's next? We discuss all that and more, coming up. Welcome to the show, Five Star Fam. I'm AJ, this is Tanner McLeod. And wherever it is you get your pods, subscribe and leave us a good rating. The 2018 South American Player of the Year is here. Thank the Lord. I mean, it's finally over. Pity Watch is finally over. But, I mean, he's kind of been here since like Monday. But, uh, you know, and our boy Devin was on the scene at the Atlanta airport. And uh, boy, was he greeted by the entire Five Strike fam, or at least 50 of them. That Still, not, not a bad showing for 5.30 in the morning yes. on a Monday. Indeed, indeed. You know, the, the day that no one really feels like waking up at 5, 4, whatever it was right. to get there. Pity himself looked pretty tired as well. With good reason. With good reason. He it just was took a, a red eye. Yeah, took a red eye. It was 5.30 in the morning. Probably with a reason why he took a red eye. Probably to avoid probably a, a yeah, crowd. Well, about that. Oh, well. That's, this, what, this is what we do. But uh, <laughs> in terms of that, though, um, you know, it was great to... You know, see him really uh, greeted with that K Loco K Esta chant. Uh, and then also, I mean, people had some, you know, gripes with how, you know, he wasn't really smiling. But again, yeah, it's he just came from a red eye. Maybe he had to see a man about a dog. It's something that's, yeah, I don't think you can blame him too hard. And uh, Besides, I think not smiling is, seems to be a thing for, you know, Fords minus Miggy. Named Martinez. At, named Martinez. Yeah. It's just kind of a theme. It's just fine. Just go with it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, so, and then, you know, you kind of have this kind of radio silence. You don't know what's going on. Everybody's asking, when is the announcement going to you happen? You know it's coming. Yes. I mean, it's clearly coming in because uh, you saw somebody from the team also pick him up. So it just made sense. I mean, and you also saw, like, Ryan, the social media guy, he was filming him. It's quite obvious at that point. But uh, it's just a matter of when and when it happens. But, uh, you know, you get that teaser the night before, and this morning, on a Thursday morning, it finally happens. You get that Darren Eels cryptic tweet, and man, uh, he's a man after my own heart because he put some Led Zeppelin lyrics in there. Oh, man, so good, so good. Easy on the track. That man yeah. is, I'm, I'm, that's his new <laughs> official nickname. I'm quoting it, I'm saying that's what it is, because honestly, he makes all of this looks so easy from his perspective. Yeah, he right. never seems, you know, fussed about anything. He's going to troll the entire fan base. Right. He's going to troll the entire league, the world to a degree in terms of football. It's true. I mean, he he's loving life right now, and he's honestly just doing a great job. And today, like you said, officially announced that P.T. Martinez is an Atlanta United player. Right. But, uh, yeah, that tweet, I mean, it you know, it said, not in the evening, LZ in the morning. And whilst she may not, we certainly shall. Very cryptic. I mean, I I admit I was not the first one to get it. Uh, but there are people that uh, were very quick on the scene. I think probably with you know a little quick uh, you know copy and paste, you can pretty much find it out. I think though, and it's from Led Zeppelin's "In the Evening." And you know you kind of you know, scroll through the lyrics a little bit, and then you see it's "Play you for a fool." She don't show you no pity, baby. I mean. That's that's it. That's you know it's uh, it's difficult to probably get that because it's you know uh, a lyric that's later on and it's not in that tweet. But I mean, jeez, I mean, Led Zeppelin. If you know anything about Led Zeppelin songs? They can tend to be a little bit long. That's true as well. As well. <laughs> but 
Led Zeppelin and Pitsy Martinez forever linked with something in Atlanta. Oh, just Funny enough, that's amazing. not the only thing forever linked with the Pitsy Martinez <laughs> announcement we might like to add. That's true. Before you even see Pitsy Martinez's face, you see or hear rather our voices. Our beautiful voices. <laughs> and uh, I mean, it's, you know, mine, Tanner's, and Devin's on the channel. That's amazing stuff. I, I thought my computer was broken. Like, I literally did not know. He was blowing up our WhatsApp group, and yeah. me and Devin and everyone and Mark were just like, what are you talking about? Because everybody have, watches videos yeah. in silence. Exactly. We were just like, what's going on? We don't know what you're doing. And then I look it up, and I'm like, wait, what? I, I'm, I'm not fully understanding that the first thing I'm hearing is my voice for yeah. this Pity Martinez announcement, and then it's like, no, no, Devin, this is our voices. <laughs> this is us. They clipped our channel. Thank you, Atlanta United. Clearly, yeah. you're watching. You guys are amazing. I really yes. You, you guys know, are legends, and keep thank you. Things. Thank you so much for you know letting us become a part of this iconic, uh, just introductory video, best announcement for a player ever. Hundred percent. Hundred percent biased. Hundred percent biased. Hundred percent best announcement video you could yep. ever have for a player. But uh. But back to you know the lyrics. I want to say one more thing. I think really what's happening is Atlanta United is having no pity on the rest of the league yeah. because clearly we are on a different level when it comes to functioning yeah. as a club. Our goals and what we're seeing and, and the vision that, that Darren Eels has and the rest of the team is a match clearly by Arthur Blank, the owner. Yeah. We're splashing the cash on big name players and the ambition is clearly there to win and keep winning and to win everything. And you know what? I'm a-okay with that. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a guy that, uh, you know, of this caliber, he was pretty much the best player in South America. Uh, River Plate fans are just lauding him, singing songs, uh, you know. He kind of came from a really just uh, not so great beginning at River Plate and really came on the last couple of years where the fans are really sad to see him go. That's really amazing stuff that we're getting this type of player. And so it's, you know, kind of almost GOAT status there. And then, you know, with the, I'm going to bang on about Led Zeppelin again with the the greatest ever band. I mean, there you go. We're just doing some really crazy stuff. Yes, I mean, to put it in perspective, within the last 10 years, other players to win the best player in South America, guy by the name of Neymar, he won it a couple times. And there's yeah. this other fellow named Ronaldinho. Not sure if you've heard of him either. He won True. it the year that he won the Copa Libertadores. Indeed. So yeah, this is the kind of player that Atlanta Editor signing. Obviously, he isn't on that level yet, but it shows you the quality of the player that has been winning this award. Right. There have been two previous players to, who have won this award to play in MLS, mm -hmm. but neither were 25, neither were in the peak of their career, Indeed. and neither were really about to show you all the great things that we know he, he can offer to Atlanta United. That's very true, yeah. And, uh, and so, yes, Pitti Martinez will occupy a designated player uh, roster spot, and that's gonna be very interesting because of all the you know transfer rumors and stuff surrounding Miguel Miron, Ezekiel Barco. Uh, we'll kind of get into a little bit more of that later in our mailbag of what the ramifications are and uh, what we see and how they're going to set up if uh, one set player is going to be staying or another set player is going to be staying. But uh, I mean, just Pity Martinez, uh, you know, talking about the type of player he is uh, because now we finally have him. I mean, he is uh, incredibly speedy as well. Uh, he basically but, does everything but yeah. like win headers and stuff. Exactly. He's not that big of a guy. 
Right, but you know, uh, he doesn't track back as much as Miguel Miron, but uh, he's got a wand of a left foot. Shots from distance are incredible. Uh, he takes on a man and dribbles past them a lot. It will be uh, very interesting to see how he uh, shares a, a pitch with an Ezekiel Barco and a Darlington Nagby. I think, you know, if we're talking about a possession-based type of system, I mean, that's pretty much, uh, you know, some you know, three guys that are really, really good for that type of system. But Absolutely. I mean, for him, he 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 isn't as quick as Miguel Almiron. They're very yeah. much different style of players. I think he is much more technically gifted and yeah. much more technically developed than Miguel Almiron. Um, Miggy's traits, really his speed and his work rate, and he's just going to run right past you. Right. Petey Martinez can dribble around a whole team in a very tight area, mm. which is very difficult to do, but that ability on the ball is going to be very important in a system to what Frank DeBoer is going to want to play. You have to be technically sound. You have to be a good passer. You have to be able to operate in tight spaces and operate quickly. That's the type of player Petey Martinez is, not to mention he scores a lot of goals, and he usually scores them in very big games. Absolutely. He is absolutely clutch. Uh, and I think, you know, Guillermo Barroscoloto will tell you all about him. Uh, and he will probably not be looking forward games. to that yeah. game this year. Coming to the bins and going, yeah. oh, great, that guy again. Yeah, exactly. Betting right now, what are the odds <laughs> of Pity Martinez to score against LA Galaxy in Mercedes-Benz Stadium? Yeah, I I'm think we play that. them out there, though, so unfortunately no, it's... Galaxy's uh, here this year. Because Galaxy uh, was oh, out yeah, last we, we year. LAFC's yes, out that's now. that's it, that's it, that's it. But either way, um, yeah, he will not be too fond of seeing Pitti Martinez. And God forbid we played them in an MLS Cup final. If we were playing Galaxy, Zlatan oh versus Pitti. But you know GBS yeah. is going to be going, yeah. oh, for Pete's sake, not oh, for Pitti's sake. <laughs> right, exactly. Right. And you'll definitely see probably a lot more of the South American fans, uh, probably River fans rooting for Atlanta United, and then Boca fans rooting for LA Galaxy. That would be some interesting scenes as that well. That would be a very interesting... Uh, they probably get a lot of views around the world. But hey, River fans, come on board. We're, yeah. we're all about that life. I'd be down to see that final. I mean, that's uh, that's an interesting final. And with some of the biggest fan bases in MLS. Preferably here, though. I don't want to go. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, Our stadium I, is bigger. I though. don't think LA Galaxy really have that you know chance of uh, really getting to a final one. But, uh, you know, and then also hosting one. They also have to deal with a 4DP so. type thing right now. Exactly. So. Very similar situation. But hey, maybe uh, if us and them both asked at the same time, they'd allow a 4DP spot this season. Be like, hey, guys. Hey, MLS, you want to make some more money? We have an idea. Let us have four DPs. Very true. But um, yeah, and uh, you know, Atlanta United now have three of the most expensive transfers in MLS, and they're all under the age of 26. Crazy stuff, man. We're we're not operating on you know the MLS 2.0 level. It's really something that's just we're changing the game. We're disrupting what has already been established, and I think it, you know the league is going to be better for it because you have players of this caliber coming into the league like this. Well, I mean, as of right now, according to Transfer Mark, uh, we have the three most valuable players in MLS all on the same team, and Miggy, Pitti, and Joseph Martinez. So, yeah. But yeah, I'm sure there's gonna be a lot of uh, speculation about his kit number, which is gonna be interesting because, yeah, Miguel Miron wears the number 10. Pitti Martinez wore number 10 at River Plate. Yeah, I mean, there's a, a conundrum there, and I think it's going to be resolved when Miguel Miron leaves, uh, or if he doesn't, then you know he will, you know, he will wear another number. But uh, I think it might be interesting though to actually kit reveal with Pitti Martinez. I think you would sell a lot of jerseys that way, man, because people don't know his number, they have to really tune in. 
There it is. I mean, I'm not the one to, to you know, know <laughs> what they're gonna do yet. I'll hopefully know at some point in time before the rest of you lot. But yeah, I mean, I think that they're gonna go big or go home on that. We're gonna touch a bit more on that kit kind of stuff in the mailbag. But in terms of what shirt number he wears, who knows? I mean, if Miggy's still here, he's not getting 10 because Miggy gets to keep 10. Everyone's right. already bought an Almiron shirt. He'd get 10 next season. Um, it, it's a number at the end of the day. Yeah, I think it's really he's not just that gonna care about winning. I mean, yeah. It's, uh, in terms of me worrying about stuff, the kit number is not yeah. exactly it's the one. It's on the top of the list. At exactly. the top of the list. I'm right. more just still getting over the fact that it's done, it's official, it's announced. The thing we've known was gonna happen since what feels like, what, September, October, mm -hmm. has now been officially completed. And I mean, right. again, it just shows that Arthur Blank is just here and he's not playing any games whatsoever. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And, uh, you know, LGP has been doing some work behind the scenes. What a guy. Yeah. Captain. I mean, yeah, very much captain material, but on top of that, he's just an ambassador for Atlanta United, and apparently he was behind the scenes really talking to Pitti, uh, you know, both former River Plate players now, but they never played together at the same time, but uh, LGP, a massive River Plate fan, and, uh, you know, I just had that uh, that you know way of being able to reach out to Pity and really tell him about how you know nice it is to play here. You got the core of Argentinian players. I mean, it's uh, it ain't bad. And then you know, probably talked about the the level of play and just uh, you know really hey, great. You're gonna score ground. a bunch of goals here. It's yeah. gonna be a great time. There's a bunch of people yeah. from South America. Labonde <laughs> is welcoming for you. Right. It's just great fans, great stadium. I mean, what it's a guy. Really, oh. you know. So good I job, think, LGP. Yeah. You're the man. I mean, you already were the man, but more. Yeah. Nah, you can't be more so. You're just absolutely a unit. So yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, and he was asked about if uh, you know he was played or he played against any of the players on LA United and he said he thought he played against Miguel at Lanús. Uh, he said he's a great player, he's demonstrated that here also. Those are nice moments that you remember and now have the possibility to share the field with him. Interesting quote there because yes there is that possibility and we'll get into really deep into it later but uh, yeah, I mean, if it is where uh, Barco is loaned, then Miggy probably stays at least into the interim until the summer. And that will be interesting how we line up there. Oh, absolutely. I think what's really interesting as well is the next part that he also said after that, where talking about talking with LGP, I talked often with Leandro. From the very beginning, he spoke highly of the club and about the group. He's helped me and guided me a little in regards to the club, the city, and he convinced me to take this step. Yeah, what a legend. What I mean, Pity Martinez already saying the right things as well. I yeah. mean... Love it. Ah, man. Absolutely love it. Like, and how can you not love this club right now? I mean, with yeah. what, what's happening, I don't think <laughs> everyone panned this, this move of MLS coming to Atlanta. And obviously, what, five years later now, you're looking at it going... Can anyone else in MLS keep up with Atlanta? I yeah. mean, because now, to have the conundrum of who do we keep on the roster... By by having this problem is how eventually you do end up having four DPs right. or five DPs or changing the rules in general because two of the biggest two, clubs in MLS exactly they're having, having that problem right now and they're gonna eventually look at the league and be like look we can make more money we will put more butts in seats we will have more sponsorship dollars if you let us have these big players we can sure. afford to pay them we want to pay them and we also want we them can to be here we can compete in bigger competitions like the CCL 
I mean, with these type of caliber players. If we can start winning the CCL convincingly, not like convincingly, but enough to where, yeah. you know, the, the league is recognized that they're playing in, you know, a club World Cup and giving a decent showing because you have really good players, that just raises the profile of the game and of the league itself. So again, even though it's a problem now, the fact that they're having this problem, as well as LA Galaxy having this problem, although admittedly our players are better because, well, they're not old and awful. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty special to be a part of, yes. and it's just awesome to see because, again, I think it's just another step of Atlanta United pushing the game and raising the game and making everyone else turn around and look going, what do we do? Moving on into the news, uh, the Atlanta United preseason schedule has been announced uh, in terms of at least four matches. And February 2nd versus the Sounders. This is all in Fullerton, California. Uh, February 6th at Tijuana. Uh, February 10th at LAFC. And then February 13th versus LA Galaxy, also in Fullerton. But none are open to the public. Only LAFC, that match, is open to the media. And that's all we know so far. There might be developments later on, but in terms of that... That being, you know, no preseason matches that are, you know, visible to any of the public is kind of a hindrance. Yeah, it's a hindrance for us, but it's also probably a good thing for the team. I don't think Frank DeVore will lose very much sleep over it probably because not. he'll be able to do things. Players will be able to make mistakes without maybe the media spotlight, with the exception of LAFC, without the fan spotlight. They'll be able to improve. The one thing for me that's very apparent about this that I love is that, yeah, we might not be able to see them, which would, you know, suck like you said. Mm -hmm. They're playing high-quality opposition. They are clearly trying to get into you know tip-top match fitness as quickly as possible. They're not playing a Charleston battery. They're playing the best of the best. I mean, they're playing a team from Mexico who are very good. They're playing both the LA teams who are very good. So clearly they're focused on getting match fit and proving themselves and playing against other teams that I imagine are going to be looking for something similar. I right. mean, Sounders, Galaxy, LAFC, all these teams want to come into the season raring to go. And they know that by playing Atlanta United, they're going to have a very difficult match. And even though it is preseason, I think they will all take them very seriously and trying to be at their best when they're going into the season. And for yeah. Atlanta United, obviously, I think that's key because it starts very quickly. I mean, sure. you're right at under a month now until that mm -hmm. first leg against Rediano in Costa Rica. So everything's getting going. Everything's picking up steam. And I think... Obviously, uh, the most annoying bit would be if, you know, Pity Martinez is playing in those games and we won't get our first look at him until Herediano. Yeah, I think there's a lot of factors at play here. Uh, maybe it's so, you know, preseason-wise, there aren't any eyes from, say, uh, CS Herediano looking at how we're setting up and seeing how we're going to play. Uh, and then also, I mean, with Bielsa Gate. Yeah, I was about to say, that. Bielsa Flying does not game. manage in MLS, so <laughs> yeah. at least you, I def, that was in my mind the whole time. And if you haven't seen that, it's a long story, but yeah. yeah. No, I mean, it's a very South American, Central American thing, so <laughs> they'll probably still have someone there somehow because, yeah. well, that's how it works. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so there's maybe a little bit of that. Maybe there's a little bit of, uh, yeah, I mean, but last season... We did play kind of uh, a really kind of poor opposition uh, preseason, and it was kind of worked out still. You know, we still were MLS Cup champions, so I think though we did start off very poorly to you know start off at uh, Houston Dynamo. That was not spectacular. Not so, good. so you know, you, you have those aspects, and maybe we're trying to kind of uh, gear off and you know ramp really. You know, from uh, an uphill position all the way down. You know, so just a lot easier than trying to uphill from the very 
off. So I think it's maybe uh, there's a lot of factors there at play and maybe also a uh, kit reveal maybe uh, type of thing that might not, uh, you know, if you, uh, if you have preseason games uh, and you have it in public, right? If you have it in public, you're going to see it. to see it, yeah. yeah that's, again, that might be why, because I, I will continue to say... Well, I'll answer it later. I'm not going to get into it now. Yeah, yeah. But uh, so in terms of that, I think there is uh, a lot of factors at play. I'm upset that we won't be able to watch any of them, probably. Uh, there may be, hopefully, is a stream you know, for at least LAFC, if media are there, hopefully. Because I think we'll be in, what, Bank of California Stadium, right? I Probably, believe, or, or so. some something or another. So, uh, yeah, I mean, in terms of that, I mean, it's going to kind of suck to, you know, have you, the first match uh, probably be that Herediano match in Costa Rica. But, I mean, if it is what it is, then... I'm curious to see what kind of, like, you know, coverage we'll get out of them and be like, do we even know the scores? Or it's like... Atlanta and Seattle played, and you will know nothing about what happened. Exactly. It's like we could have housed them 7-0 or something, or right. they could have housed us like 5-0, and we would have no idea. And it's just like, wow, what's going on? I think another thing, though, that's very important is obviously Frank DeBoer will implement some tactical changes to how things played. I think it's going to be important for them that they will be playing an equal-level opposition that they can test those tactics yeah. against. It is kind of a trial by fire. Sometimes, obviously, you'd like to play maybe a lesser opposition, but I think in this particular scenario, it helps that they'll be playing against mm -hmm. basically teams that we won't see. We won't see. But yeah. I also don't think he will be giving. He will be playing his whole hand against them either. Because why yeah. show your hand in preseason against teams that you will see in the regular season? Agreed. Agreed. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, moving on to the next piece of news, or just a, a behind-the-scenes video. I mean, Frank DeBoer with his. Uh, just talk with the the whole team. I think it was on the second day of training and Yeah, I mean he was pretty much putting Joseph Martinez on the spot but uh, Breck Shea on the spot Julian Gressel. I mean uh, You know very surprisingly good English from Joseph Martinez as well But uh really insightful stuff from that video. Yeah, absolutely at the same time I don't think it's something that should be taken too seriously because it's an early team meeting And mm -hmm. I don't think that Frank DeBoer is the type of guy that would want the camera there when he's actually talking about What yeah. he wants Tactics his team to leave. Anything, I think that's yeah. very much what he and the club wanted you to see I think it was important for the club to put that out there to kind of give the fans this this easy thing of Well, here he is communicating with the squad. It was very cool though And for me personally, I will never grow tired of behind-the-scenes videos like this. Yeah. I love them I think they're awesome. I won't complain when they put them out but I also wouldn't expect to get too, too much or read yeah. too far into to any of this. I, I think, yeah, like kind of softballs like this where they're not really talking about tactics. They're not really talking about anything too heavy, but they're just really kind of outlining that, yeah, there's a target on our backs and, you know, what we'll have to do to uh, really live up to now our MLS Cup winning form and, you know, kind of name and... Uh, all that type of stuff. So, you know, I think it's a uh, it's good to show that yeah The players understand what's going on uh, What the battle is ahead for them So I think it's good stuff from the team and hopefully there's more of this little kind of tidbits in the future But uh, yeah next bit of news is that Julian Gressel He hopes to work out a new contract with Atlanta United and he you know He wants to stay with the club for a long time. That's according to the AJC uh, yeah, I mean, he's saying pretty much like, yeah, he's, you know, focused on playing. He's going to let his agent work it out. But there's so far no deadline and there aren't any updates on a contract. So that is kind of a, you know, a thing where I think 
he's trying to get the team to, you know, maybe tender him a contract, a, a new, you know, some more contract negotiations for uh, a new contract because, yeah, he's kind of really uh, overperformed his contract. He deserves probably a raise. It's just a matter of how much because it starts to get in that territory where is he getting into TAM territory? Is it starting to be DP territory? I think he's a player that will have his contract situation resolved at some point later in the season. I think right now, your efforts are definitely on Pity, Almiron, Barco, and all the moving wheels there about what will happen if someone stays, if someone goes, who's coming, who's going. I think that's their main focus right now. I think that he absolutely has played well above what his contract pays him. No one really 14 expected, assists in his uh, yeah, sophomore season. No, no one expected that of him. Rookie of the year in his first season. Right. I think it's definitely going to be a case of having another very good season for him will secure him a very large paycheck. I also think that at the end of the season, you will be seeing some wages of some older players be coming off the books to where he can step into kind of that role mm -hmm. of or, or that, that contract spot, basically, where yeah. he'll be getting paid what certain players will no longer be getting paid because they won't be at the club. So I think that'll have something to do with it. They may be looking into the future and taking care of it. But again, he's a player that absolutely deserves every dime that we give him because he has been an incredible player. He gives 115% early every single time he steps on the pitch, every time he pulls on the shirt. You can tell that it means something to play with that badge on his chest. And as a supporter, you really can't ask any more of a player like that. All right. Uh, next bit of news is uh, an article from Andrew Wiebe of MLSsoccer.com. He pretty much, you know, uh, quote-unquote said, the future of MLS looks a whole lot like Atlanta's offseason. Pretty much where, you know, making moves where, you know, you're selling a big-name player and then you're also bringing in a big-name player. Huge things that maybe not everybody in every club is doing. And I think that's uh, something that, yes, um, you know, for the future of MLS... More clubs should be doing this so that, yeah, I mean, we actually become part of the global market instead of just operating within MLS ourselves. Absolutely. I mean, I think for a lot of people, uh, if you look at the history of Major League Soccer, it's very much focused as kind of a league within itself with the exception of older players coming here as an end of their career. Right. And that's kind of been the formula for a long period of time, and now that is changing. But Atlanta is really the you know the club that's spearheading this. We're really the first club that's looking to run our our club in a model similar to the rest of the world, and it's very difficult. And there was another article um, by uh, Poltonorio in mm -hmm. the Athletic, mm -hmm. and he kind of had some interesting views on the stance that we were taking with Miguel Almiron, because for many people it's seen as key that Miguel Almiron moves in this window, and that for him not to move would be a very very uh, poor judgment on the club's part. Uh, I fully disagree with that. I think that the club is showing that it has a valuation for a player that it fully believes in. Darren Eels worked under a fella by the name, I cannot stand him, but a fella by the name of Daniel Levy at Tottenham. If you know who he is, you know why I can't stand him. If you don't, he is one of the shrewdest negotiators in world football. And if he has a price, you will pay that price and there's nothing you can do about it. I don't have a problem with, with Darren Eels kind of setting this price because I think that you can make a $10 million profit right now if you sold him to Newcastle for $20 million. I don't think it's about that. I think it's about saying this is the largest deal to ever happen in this league's history. We're making a massive profit off this player. He it's is receiving a, a massive increase. It's a statement about what this club is, our vision, our model, and how we want to grow. And exactly like you said, we don't want to be a player on the major league soccer market. We want to be a part of the global market. And by doing that, Sometimes maybe you have to take a hit on things and maybe you have to wait a little bit longer to get that deal. 
But uh, next bit of news was that George Bello uh, talked about that starting left back position, and you know that uh, he knows that quote, no spot is guaranteed. You just have to keep fighting for it. I mean, that's one of those. Uh, you know, he knows what the task is at hand. Uh, and when Greg Garza was sold, yes, he was surprised. He wasn't expecting it. But uh, yeah, I mean, he was definitely. Yeah, he looked up to Greg Garza. Uh, you know, he really wanted to, uh, you know, kind of, but use this as an opportunity and, you know, keep his mind focused and not get complacent because this is, you know, it's, it's pretty much his job to lose. But, I mean, no one is really saying that, but he is pretty much pinned for that starting left back position. Yeah, it's going to be huge for him. I mean, a player of his age, but with a player of his ability and his potential is massive. I mean, I think you're definitely looking at, you know, an Alfonso Davies type situation where I think sooner rather than later, he could be plying his trade in Europe. Um, he clearly bulked up over the offseason to, to deal with some of the physical demands of playing. <laughs> he has actually pressure. mentioned that he didn't really change his regimen at all. He didn't really lift extra weights. But uh, he's definitely bulked up. You yeah, can look I, at the pictures. I think it's the maybe the haircut. I think he mentioned that a little bit. Um, and, you know, maybe just uh, growing older. I think maybe, yeah, well, maybe just so. growing older. But either way, he looks bigger than he did last year. He yeah. looks like more of a professional footballer than a kid cool. making his debut. And I'm really, really looking forward to seeing what he has to offer this season. I think that everyone, even though I've just said he could be playing in Europe, you need to temper your ex expectations because mm -hmm. there might be some learning pains, you know, some growing pains here mm -hmm. and there. But I think he's going to be a very good player for us in the future. Right. And, I, and again, I really look forward to seeing what he has to offer. Right. And he just turned 17. Happy birthday to George, George Bellow as well. But uh, 17. Yeah. And you know, already pretty much their... The club is moving pieces away so that they can put him into a position to be able and to. He be has the right manager to develop him as well. When you look exactly. at the history of, exactly. of Frank DeBoer and what he does with very talented young players, yeah, especially a defender. Especially a defender, I think he could definitely show him a thing or two. Indeed, indeed. But uh, next bit of news is Brendan Moore coming back uh, into town. Uh, he's a Roswell, Georgia product, and he was plying his trade. At like a Fleetwood town in uh, in Europe in in England, uh, kind of a championship uh, or League One League One type of team, but still lower division English football, yeah. but still very high level. Exactly. I, I don't want to. I don't <laughs> want to think that League One or the Championship or League Two. No, it's still a very high level. It just doesn't have as much money in the game as right. the Premier League. They're still really good. Right. Exactly. And the fact that he was able to make that move from here is very very good because it's difficult to get a visa to play over there sometimes yeah. especially as an american it's not as easy as many people would think and for him to make that move and to play there for for the time that he did is good for him right and he was saying that yeah it was his goal to always come home and he just didn't know when it was going to happen but he felt like this was the right time uh i think you know with his hometown team just winning mls cup and um you know brad Guzan getting a little older and you know maybe there's some guys in the pipeline that uh can make some moves to you know take over whether it's an alec can or a brendan moore it's gonna remain to be seen but it'll be very very interesting to see if uh, he really shows out and if he can uh prove his way into uh maybe an atlanta united two spot maybe a starting spot there we'll see absolutely but. I mean, yeah, just backup keeper at the end of the day, you know. But right. again, it, Brad Guzan is getting older, so you never really know. I mean, really try to take your chance and play as well as you can, and who knows yeah. where it'll end up. I think that's a great part of this club as right. well, is that if you're good enough, you're going to get a shot. And I really believe that under this new manager as well, that if you're good enough, you're going to get a shot. 
And so, they obviously believed enough in him as well as, you know, knowing that he's a local product as well. But, you know, when you have that type of, uh, you know, thing in your, your system as well, where you have those homegrowns, you have those guys that knows what it means to put on the badge. That's very important, I feel like. And guys, let's get into the injury report. And it was reported that Ezekiel Barco, yeah, he would be what, possibly out three to four weeks, right? But yeah, he's been seemingly just, you know, uh, training along and, you know, like nothing even happened. I just don't but... think he wanted him with the U20 team. I mean, that sounds yeah. kind of awful, but there's it actually another article that came out today that talked about how apparently we're not going to cooperate with the under 20 U.S. With national Tab Ramos. team. With Tab yeah, Ramos. But... He kind of shot that down on Twitter. But I'm just going to say right now in terms of George Bello, hands off. But anyway, back to, to, to Barco. It's a classic club versus country type of uh, situation. Yeah, Manchester United so. used to do that all the time. Right. Which, and if you're having to deal with things that Manchester United had to deal with when you're saying, hey, these players are important to us and you can't have them, I'm fine with that. Yeah. Because that means we're trying to win. Yeah, um, I mean, it was, uh, you know, for George Bello, it was a conversation about a friendly versus him in the playoffs. playoffs. Yeah, like, yes, maybe he's not starting, but he's getting valuable experience not only even just sitting on the bench, but even just those kind of training sessions in that type of environment. Better than U20s. Yeah. Back to that, though. Absolutely. Digressing back to Barco. We, we were kind of worried, obviously, at the beginning because it's like, dang, is he going to start off his season again with another injury? But yep. yeah, he seems fit. Right. But again, who knows if he's going to be plying his trade in Atlanta in a few weeks' time. Yes. But being will... fit makes it a whole lot easier to move him if he needs to move. That's true. Indeed, indeed. But uh, speaking of a player that has moved, uh, it is Greg Garza, and that's uh, just a very unfortunate injury that he suffered, a low-grade quad strain at the U.S. men's national team. Uh, and it's one of those things where it, you kind of see why maybe Greg Garza was moved on. A great guy, a great player, but just really unlucky with the injuries, and that's just unfortunate, I feel like, because... You know, if he had, you know, maybe uh, was able to, you know, stay off of the injury report uh, for any amount of time uh, less than what he had, then, yeah, he probably would still be an Atlanta United player. Yeah, but it was a sizable amount of money that we were investing in a player who wasn't really playing. And when you have a guy like George Bella behind him, you got to give him a chance. And I think yeah. that the team did that. We wish Greg Garza the best. I hope he has a speedy recovery, but not speedy enough to where he lines up in place for Cincinnati and that... <laughs> home opener where it was announced that there will be some sort of ring ceremony banner reveal of some sort that it will be in the works. I hope he's there. I hope he's not playing, but I hope he gets to stand on the field, get his ring and watch a banner that he was very instrumental in helping Absolutely. hang up there. So best of luck to him. Indeed, indeed. But uh, moving on, homegrown player Chris Goslin has uh, a left knee strain and he's weak to weak. And that's according to the AJC. Uh, just, uh, you know, uh, I, I want to see him get back healthy and really get back into the plans. Either it's going to be, you know, some, uh, you know, maybe good minutes at Atlanta A2, or maybe kind of sneaking into the first team in uh, Fractured Boards plans. But uh, he's a kind of instrumental um, kind of, you know, midfielder that I think could play in this system. And it's just a matter of him being healthy. And he's kind of struggled with some injuries. Uh, the 
the time he's been here, so you know, hopefully he can kind of get healthy and really come on because we will need as many guys as possible for all of these competitions that we're going absolutely. to be in. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he has struggled with fitness, and for a player his age, that has to be very, very frustrating. So hopefully he can get fit because I think this year the plan will be for him to play significant minutes at Atlanta United 2 to help him get consistent playing experience against professionals. But I do think he will feature for the first team at some point in time this year. I don't think he'll start, but I think he definitely has a chance to come on play as a substitute maybe in some U.S. Open Cup games, mm -hmm. maybe even in MLS games, depending on right. how fixture congestion goes and who's you know fit, who's with the team, who's playing international football, you know, come June, July. So there, there's going to be opportunities for him. And with Frank DeBoer, if you're good enough, you're old enough. So I think right. he has a great shot to play this year as well, if right. he can stay fit. But guys, let's move on into the transfer rumors. And uh, the first bit, well, at least from the, the past week, was that Tito Vijalbo was linked with Club America. Uh, and that was also, uh, Barco was kind of linked with that as well. It kind of turned out that it was actually, you know, they were interested in a lot of players uh, in MLS, but Kaku was the guy that they were actually looking for at Club America. And uh, yeah, Red Bulls. Seems he's throwing all of his toys out of the pram in exactly. order to get that move for Yeah, through. Red Bulls apparently are asking for 12. Club America can only offer around six or seven. Uh, Kaku is tweeting some really interesting stuff. And, you know, uh, in regards to Atlanta United, Don't yes, care. yeah, if he, if he leaves, well, you know, it kind of kind of sucks for them in terms of the MLS landscape, but in terms of for against Red Bulls, it eh, works care. out. Works out for us. But uh, yeah, I mean, in terms of that, although though, I still think he's trying to find his way out of Eric Armetti's pocket, so yes. I'm not sure that is it will what... take a little bit of climbing <laughs> to find his way all the way to Mexico City. Yeah, indeed, indeed. But uh, yeah, also uh, another rumor regarding Ezekiel Barco, with uh, the, the Athletic. Pretty much mentioned that uh, you know Atlanta and I were shopping him on loan to Argentina and Mexico. Interest, very interesting stuff because you know uh, another rumor pretty much came out you know today that uh, and it, this was from uh, let me find it really quick. This was from Augusto Cesar from De Una Con Niembo, and that says that Ezequiel Barco and Tito Vijalba have been reportedly offered to Boca Juniors. And I think it's on a loan. There weren't any more details on that, but I think the speculation, it seems like uh, Tito is the price for them to take on Barco. If that is the case, it's nope. very, very interesting. If I that's think, the case, nope, because yeah, I'm not giving up Tito. I think Tito right. has to play, it could be the rotation striker for Joseph. Exactly. He's, the, in my eyes, the second best striker on the team. Yes. Uh, to be, you know, be able to play that position, you know, uh, out and out, and so it's one of those things like we need him for yes. all the competitions. But... I feel comfortable if for him if Joseph is being rotated, which he'll have yeah. to be. The person I most feel comfortable to lead the line would be Tito. Yeah. So I just don't Agreed. see a scenario for yeah. us to. I mean, besides, Boca should be happy and be like, no, we'll just take Barco because we got rid of pity for you. So maybe you can beat River for once because when he was there, you couldn't do it. So. But know, it, us a solid. it's one of those two uh, things too, as well. Uh, Ezekiel Barco, you know, coming from there as well. I mean, do one thing: do they have enough money in Argentina to pay these guys uh, their wages? Unsure. I and mean, that's over two million a year. Looking yeah. at, and we're not subsidizing Barco for sending him out. So right. that's one point what six or something like that. Yeah, exactly. So and plus the five hundred for Tito, mm -hmm. at least. 
Yeah, and so you know, on top of all that, uh, I think Barco, with kind of his history in the league, I don't know if he's going to play for Bar or for Boca Juniors. It's it's a very interesting the rivalry's scenario. intentions run deep there for yeah. sure. Very interesting rumor, and uh, I don't really buy into it too much. Yeah, but if it were, it's an interesting one for sure. But uh, the, the next one, yeah. yeah well, can I take the next one because I have <laughs> very strong man. feelings about go the next it, one. Go for it. So, guys, the next one we're going to get on to our weekly Miguel Almiron to Newcastle up date because yeah. that just keeps rolling right along. Interestingly enough, it seems as if Miguel Almiron, maybe not him personally, but the idea of buying good players is at the bit of a tug of war scenario right now right. in Newcastle. It seems that manager Rafa Benitez is threatening to leave the club if he has not provided funds to get players to strengthen the squad. For those of you who understand or have been watching, Newcastle don't spend money because Mike Ashley is a dickhead. If I had the wasteman of the week right now, It'd be him every week because, well, he's just absolutely a terrible owner. Um, we've been talking about this for a while now because he's continuously been linked to them. The right. rumors have recently said that Newcastle won't go any higher than 20 million, and obviously Darren Eels is firmly set on 30. Um, I'm of the opinion that this will not happen because, as with every transfer window, Mike Ashley has said he was going to sell the club, but so he's not going to invest. But now he's not going to sell the club, so he's not going to invest. So but there's yeah. also that aspect that uh, you know Newcastle will receive a chunk of uh, cash in the end of this window, uh, 55 million pounds, in fact, and that's something that you know he could really have the money to invest but in this club. But he won't spend it. No, but he's worried about buying other websites or other uh, or saving the high street in or, England yeah, because that's what he loves doing. It, it, yeah, charitable madness. work outside of football. Again, right. he is one of the worst owners. <laughs> In soccer. And their fans absolutely hate, hate him. him. So, he yeah, is absolutely hated. We should be absolutely grateful that we have an owner like Arthur Blake. Yes, but. They, they brought some <laughs> players in on loan. Uh, Jordan yep. Lukaku, uh, the brother of Romelu Lukaku. Right. So that's not exactly adding goals. Right. So um, <laughs> you know, possibly that might affect the Miguel Miruin transfer there if that ever was on the cards. Uh, because, yeah, I mean, them bringing more guys in, that's more guys on the wage bill. Does that leave room for Miguel Miruin? Correct. Who knows? Again, in his but, wages, if brought in, they would have to have a relegation clause, which if they got relegated, which is a distinct possibility, yes. that his wages would go down. He's not going to do that because mm -hmm. he's not moving to Europe for that. He could make the same amount of money here. Right. It's a very less than ideal situation for him because, yes, uh, there is kind of all facets that we want uh, you know, there to be a good situation for. Miguel Miron, if he moves to the Prem, yeah, you want him to be able to stay in the Prem. For one, that's also uh, a, a big deal because, yeah, you know, if he, you know, if basically it's this, you have, uh, you know, eyes on everything. And so if, you, you know, a, a team is looking at buying an MLS player, they want to see that, oh, that player did well and stayed in the Prem, even if it wasn't his fault. It's one of those, like, is he still a Premier League player? Well, you know, if he stays up, then, you know, technically, yes, he is. But there's also the, you know, South American connection. Those players coming from down there to here, they want to see that there is a clear model and path from them for them from MLS to Europe. And so, you know, this is all very, very We have to make sure it's the right important. move. It has to be the right move for Miguel Almiron. It has to be the right move for Atlanta United. And it has to be the right move for the buying club in England. Right. And I just don't think that Newcastle, at this point in time, maybe with new ownership, if that ever happens, which I really don't think it will in the near future, mm -hmm. although I'd love it to because Newcastle is a massive club. And as much, just, you know, as, as, much as I've downplayed this link, 
I think Newcastle, if they were stable and if they're where they should be with investment, would be a great club for Miguel Almiron. Because right. again, they're one of the biggest clubs in England. People might not recognize this, mm. but 10 years ago before, you know, that team on the other side of Manchester got bought by, you know, they're one of the richest families in the world, but we're not gonna talk about that today. Newcastle was a Champions League club. Mm -hmm. Like that's the kind of size that Newcastle is. I mean, they were challenging for the league in the 90s under Kevin Keegan. It's a big team. If, if he was to move there and the scenario was good, I think it'd be a great place for him to be. But unfortunately, at the current point in time, it's not. However, he was also linked to another club that I don't particularly like in Tottenham. Fun fact, he's not going there either because they also have no money because they don't know how to build a stadium properly. Right, there's a lot of issues uh, there and money owed, but the this link was also very, very weak to begin with. There's no sources. Yeah, no sources on it, and you know we're keeping an eye on it, but they have been linked previously with Tottenham, but this one's even weaker. I think it's kind of more a dartboard action because you know they're in an injury and depth crisis with Harry Kane, with uh, you know with Sun uh, out on the the Asian Cup, and then you have uh, you know just it's a not a dearth of a lot of players at their disposal. They have at the zero moment. squad depth whatsoever. Yeah. They brought no players in in the right. summer because they couldn't afford it because so, of the stadium, and they can't bring any players now. They sold Musa Dembele for what eight million pounds right. to China because they needed, they the, needed money. the money. <laughs> so uh, that's not a link that I'm going to see that I see happening either. Yeah. What I will say though, Sky Sports actually tweeted out today after we announced Petit Martinez that you know we have a problem. The fact that Sky Sports is mentioning us and putting it out there on their main feed. Speculation is going to increase over the next week. It's going to ramp up. It always goes absolutely more silly in silly season in this last week of the, of right. the window because in Europe, everyone decides we're going to be procrastinators like college students with a final yeah. paper due and right. wait till the absolute last minute to do things. So keep it tuned to Atlanta United Fan TV. We're going to have all of our social media covering it. Twitter, Instagram, if you need anything, stay with us because we will have that news for you as it drops. Right. But, uh, you know, in terms of that, I think uh, Miguel Miron getting linked with the likes of Tottenham, it is still a good thing because, you know, you have very large size clubs being linked with, uh, you know, our big name that's being shopped. And so, you know, the more names and more, uh, you know, kind of clubs that are linked with him, the better it the is. The more his for... price goes up. Exactly. And so, you know, and if you have a guy like Darren Eels who did work with Tottenham yeah. under a very shrewd negotiator and Daniel Levy, mm -hmm. he will definitely play all those factors against each other to get the best deal for both Miguel Moron mm -hmm. and Atlanta United. And it's, uh, uh, you know, also fun fact, and many of you probably know this as well. Yes, the sale of Gareth Bale to Real Madrid from Tottenham uh, was pretty much sanctioned and done by Darren Eels. So he knows a thing or two about kind of transfer sagas, big deals, I big think Big clubs and the English yeah. market. So we have the perfect guy yeah. to help us negotiate between here and there. Yeah. So just don't worry about it, guys. Whatever happens will happen. I know that that might not be comforting to you, but we've got DZ in charge of things, so everything <laughs> will be okay. Indeed, indeed. Let's get into, uh, so yeah, our boy Devin, was on Fox 5, uh, really congrats to him. You know, it was on the uh, the pity thing when uh, he arrived, he was talking a little bit about it and uh, just wanna shout him out. If you haven't seen the thing, we'll link that segment below, but uh, really cool of, uh, you know, someone from our camp to be able to, uh, to get on some local television. So really cool on that. But um, we're also doing a giveaway of Devin's hat that was signed by Pitti Martinez. And so, uh, you know, if you haven't seen on our social medias, just to 
Make sure you know you get in on this and you have the possibility of winning this Pitti Martinez signed hat. All you gotta do is tag three people, retweet, and uh, you know there there it is. You have a chance to win it, and so we'll announce the winner on February fifth. Moving but. on from that is uh, definitely the highlight of this show. It is the heaviest hitting of Absolutely. questions that was posed to all of us by Michael Parkhurst on Twitter. Yeah. It asked, my son just stumped me right before bed, asking who would win the following fight? Important thoughts to end the day. I told him I'd find out. Captain America and Wolverine versus Iron Man and the Hulk. Yeah, and so, yeah, there's a lot of guys uh, that have pretty much voted uh, Iron Man and Hulk versus Captain America and Wolverine. Um, I I have a little bit of bone to pick because yeah, a lot of people were like, oh, okay, you know, Hulk wins every single fight. Yeah, not quite, not quite, because I think the the first fight that uh, Wolverine was even part of with Hulk, it was uh, pretty even. I, I would say it's not quite as cut and dry as this, uh, you know, three or two to one would seem. Uh, it was pretty much a draw up until I think. Uh, Wolverine in the very first appearance for Wolverine, he got knocked out. But that usually isn't what happened with yeah. these fights. They either usually just ends up knocking him unconscious, or in the worst case scenario, because he can't die. Yeah, he neither can die. In one scenario, which is really gruesome, uh, Hulk actually rips Wolverine's legs off, throws him four miles up a mountain, and Wolverine goes and gets them because that's what Wolverine does. So I think yeah. it honestly would end up them all beating each other to hell, and then you'd have Wolverine and Hulk still going at it basically till the end of time. Yeah. Um, it, I think it comes down mm -hmm. to this. I mean, it's the fact is is probably Captain America, unfortunately, is the most vulnerable here. And I don't know. So, I mean, Tony Stark is like bang average outside of his suit. Oh, absolutely. But, but yeah, boy so, loves me some. I love Iron Man. So right, I can't right. no, it's it's uh, it, Iron Man can probably outsmart uh, you know Captain America, but in terms of Captain America, his actual fighting prowess, his uh, type of, he can't uh, fly, so that's yeah. probably he can't fly. Dangerous. The strategery in that will be a little bit more difficult. Uh, you know, obviously th these are uh, very important things that we're talking. These about. These are the deepest of <laughs> the questions that you absolutely come to Atlanta United Fan TV <laughs> to find the answers to. But uh, I'm I'm a, a, unabashedly a uh, Marvel fan, so you know I uh, I saw this and I was like, we have to talk about it. It's I'm still fun. going Iron Man Hulk. Yeah, I, I think. I think it's, it's a lot closer than yeah, what people say, though. That's what I'm saying. It's I think it's more of a like 45, 55, not a two to one that type of degree. I here, think but. that it's a really close one, but Iron Man and Hulk go through on a wiggles. Yeah, <laughs> there it is. Uh, but guys, let's get into the mailbag. You guys send in these questions from IG Story. Please continue to do so, and your question might be answered in the future. First question comes from Carson ATL Hawks 26. Do you think with Pitty, Miggy, and Joseph, we could make a deep run in CCL? Yes. I mean, I think we could, you know, if it was Barco instead of Miggy, but because yeah, we know that we know that two of those three will be here, and that's Pitty and Joseph will both be here. Whoever yeah. that third player is, I'm still fully confident. But if it's Miguel Almiron, I am very confident that we have a great chance to win the whole damn thing. I mean, I think in terms of talent, especially going forward, you'll be pressed to find other clubs with as much attacking talent as Atlanta United, and that's including Mexico. I mean, that's an incredible forward line to have, guys. Not to mention, you'd have, you know, a Tito Bijalba coming off the bench, ideally. You have these talented players behind them as well, so it's just like, yeah. And we have the, apparently, the second biggest, in terms of, uh, you know, worth of club in the whole CCL. So very, very interesting. I mean, that means, yeah, I mean, we are probably one of the favorites to probably win this uh, in terms of at least the money put in and what the values are of these players. 
But uh, in terms of a uh, you know a pity Miggy Joseph uh, kind of lineup, oh man, it's just you are licking your chops at how to really set it all up because really you know you can't really go wrong too much with pity and Miggy in the same lineup. But uh, next question comes from Zach of all trades, master of zero. Great name, of course, uh, there. But uh, what is more likely to solve the roster? Barco to Argentina, Bijalba to Mexico, or Almiron to EPL? I think that, well, Tito doesn't really solve anything if he moves because um, he's not a DP anymore. Exactly, but um, a little bit of TAM money. I, I would say that in this scenario, it's going to be Miggy to the EPL because you're going to get the most money. You're going to have a permanent solution, whereas Barco would be a temporary solution. And then you have it's to also not the, the most ideal with the six-month loan or is it a year-long loan. Mm -hmm. Then you wouldn't have him in the summer, which is when Miguel Amaral would absolutely move if he doesn't move in January. He right. would move in the summer, which isn't ideal for us because it's mid-season. I think if you can move Miguel Almiron in this window, you do it. Um, obviously, we don't want him to go. We love the idea of you know, the previous question, seeing him, Joseph, and, and Pity all playing together, but you know, it's a business and there's financial restrictions placed on us by MLS, unfortunately. So I think the easiest of all, though, would be Miggy to the EPL. Yeah, for sure. But also, I mean, I think for Barco, it is probably in his best interest to stay also because, you know, a year's worth of tutelage under Frank de Boer is... Could be huge. Yeah, much better than the alternative of maybe wherever he goes. Uh, and and I maybe, think the situation of like living uh, and everything is right. going to be much easier here. He has finally, I think, started to settle here, start making his friends here. Right. And then to make him move again, again, as a young player, right. would be very tough mentally on him, especially if he goes somewhere and it's it's not good. You could really right. be putting yourself even further behind the eight ball right. in terms of his development. So, and, and in terms of that, though, if he moves to Mexico, it's maybe a lateral move. And if he moves to Europe, I think it's a lot better of a move because it's a little bit more challenging for one and maybe it fits the style of what he is capable of as well and if you're able to loan want. him to europe i think that would exactly. be if you could loan barco to spain that would be yeah. the perfect scenario yeah. and I, I don't know if that's possible right now but again with the front office we have nothing at this point would surprise me indeed next question comes from nichols at night if Barco leaves on loan until summer, what is the best destination for him? And we kind of answered that answer above. That. I'd uh, say Spain. Yeah, Spain is probably uh, the, the thing that makes sense for his not only uh, yeah just playing style, but if we can get a um, you know a system that matches what he is capable of and a kind of more possession based type of uh, you know style, then I think uh, it's a lot better of a scenario. If we don't. Not ideal. Not well, I think ideal. the other thing you might end up seeing if you manage to loan him to Spain somehow, it could be a loan with an option to buy. Because if he's going to a La Liga sure. club and he goes and he impresses and plays well, they're not going to want to let him go. Right. Because they're going to be like, well, he's here. We have him. He fit in here. Let's just keep him. Mm -hmm. So that's something that could happen as well. So, you know, that's, you know, kind of playing football manager or FIFA in our heads a little bit. But if that happened, I think him going to Spain would be absolutely ideal Again, because I think it would be a step up for him, and I think that he could do really, really well there. Mm -hmm. All that being said, I think that he would greatly benefit again from from a year under Frank DeBoer. He's a technical player. DeBoer's a technical coach. I mm -hmm. think he could develop him a lot. He is a young player. Right. He fits into the mold of the kind of player that Frank DeBoer brings the best out of. And I think that for as many people want to see Barco go and Miggy stay, I think that if Barco stays, you'll be very surprised by the output you get from him this season. I think he's he's definitely lined up to have a big season with Atlanta United this year. 
And I expect him to do big things. I'm looking forward to seeing him play. Yeah, and I think, uh, I mean, for me, I, I want to, you know, hope that he can because for that, you know, the health of the club, for the transfer fee, for just uh, really optics all around, you want your players to do well. I really never hope that a player, even if they had some, you know, transgressions aside, uh, you know, and it really wasn't even, you know, to a degree where it's something that, you know, I mean, pretty much that other player has forgiven him so it seems and so you know it all seems well in the brotherhood perhaps and so you know i think we just have to kind of really root for our players to really do well so that they can make the move our club does well we can recoup these transfer fees it all ties in together next question alice cloth nine asks if almiron were to stay how would that affect the lineup now that we have pity I think it's interesting. It would depend, obviously, on the formation that Frank DeBoer chooses to play. If he sticks with his tried-and-true 4-3-3, I think you could see a situation with a very fluid front three of Miggy, Pitti, and Joseph up front with really doesn't really matter. I think you'd have both Miggy and Pitti kind of moving around, creating chaos, just finding space on the wings um, and coming inside as well and trying to just yeah. take up yeah. dangerous positions constantly. It would be a Pitti nightmare. cutting in is It would just be a nightmare for teams to figure out who to mark in that scenario. Mm -hmm. um, plus, if you have Miggy on the right cutting in onto his left, oh, I mean, it's just, it's, it's good stuff. Um, but I could also see a scenario where you play Miggy in a midfield three um, as kind of like a box-to-box -box mm -hmm. eight kind of guy because he's shown he has the work rate to do that. Right. And, uh, of course, you know, Fakhar Escobar is injured. And so you might see more of a 5-3-2 with Julian Gressel coming in as that right wing back, of course. But, uh, you know, if Julian Gressel shows enough to play well in a four-man back line as that right back... Which I think he can do yeah, because which, uh, what can't this guy do? <laughs> it's true. Uh, yeah, I mean... Uh, it'd be an interesting, you know, you can add, pretty much add way more attackers into the lineup, but uh, it just depends on the opposition that you're playing against. If it's against a weaker opposition, maybe at the bends, then sure. Uh, but we basically would say, we see that you're parking the bus and we're just going to smash right through the damn thing because right. we don't care. Yeah, and we have enough offensive players on the pitch to be able to break through that and unlock the defense. But, uh, you know, if uh, there's, uh, you know, a pity up top with Joseph, uh, with that, with uh, Miggy at the 10 that could be one as well i think barco unfortunately also doesn't fit barco. into this well, uh five three two or three well, five two again you wouldn't have all four of them so exactly and oh yeah yeah exactly and uh i mean i'm i mean i think i mean tito here yeah because it's, it's gonna be difficult to fit him in here but in a four three three it works but in, four three three. That think of. I mean, yeah. you're playing at home and you're lining up in a four three three. You have Julian Gressel at right back. He's going to be bombing down the right, overlapping like a madman. You have Tito going wherever he goes because he's such a direct player. He's a nightmare. You have Miggy making surging runs from right. midfield, so that you're already concerned about Joseph and P.T. Martinez <laughs> cutting in from the left hand side. And then, not to mention, you can have Bella coming down the left. And then, yeah, again, Miggy yeah. just arriving in that area to bang home some goals from outside the 18. That's just a terrifying prospect. If that is the team that ends up lining up for Atlanta United at home against Cincinnati, we are going to house them. Not to mention we already want to, yet I don't think they'd be the only team on the on the wrong side of a big scoreline come this season if that Very was the true. case. Very true. And last question, Jay Simpson1130 asks, when are the new kits going to be revealed? Um, we get this question every week. I get this question every day working at the store. It's gonna be mid to late February to our knowledge right now, guys. Um, the Super Bowl is kind of complicating everything for everyone in Atlanta on every level, but specifically for us because, well, the stadium is closed 
and that's kind of where everything is a base from because well that's the stadium so we don't expect it to happen until mid to late february so even though you see the stars on the king peach kit you're not going to see the new red and black kit whatever it's going to look like when it drops because well they're going to wait until it gets leaked which will probably be a week before it comes out anyway so you know but if it does get leaked it'll be on social media so it'll be there but in terms of official release it's still not gonna be until next month. So unfortunately, you will have to continue to patiently wait. Don't worry, I am waiting right there with you. I am ready to see these things because it's going to be big. I think it's going to be awesome. And I think that's why they're going to wait because they're going to do something to blow everything out of the water because, well, that's kind of what this club does with everything. Yeah, and I hope so, certainly, because yeah, there's also that other aspect where all the preseason games at this moment are not being you know shown or streamed or just really for the public at all and so you have that where maybe because you know they might be playing in some different kits and stuff like I that i don't think we'll play in the new kit during preseason for what it's worth hopefully not but uh it's one of those you know you will have a kit clash and so where are they gonna play in training kits i mean i think they might just well play in the king peach every game it could be uh but yeah i mean it, they will be away pretty much uh, the away team every single match so it very well could be but it's gonna be interesting uh i think it will be in between uh the herediano match and preseason i think somewhere in there it looks prime for something to happen yeah, but absolutely, again, follow out on Atlanta United social media because they will have an announcement when it's going to drop. But also, like we've said earlier, continue to follow us on social media because, well, if something leaks, that sport will probably be as well because this guy is a boss on things. Do not take it for granted. He is the man when it comes to news for Atlanta United. But guys, moving on from that, we will get into our question of the day. And today's been pretty much all about Pitti Martinez. But our question to you is, now that it's a done deal and he is officially an Atlanta United player, who do you think will leave to make space for him? Not who do you want to leave, but who do you think in your gut at the end of the day will be that player to make space? Will it be Almiron? Will it be Barco? Hit us up in the comments below and let us know what you guys think. And guys, one last thing before we finally depart for the day. All of our thoughts and prayers are up to Emiliano Sala and his family and the two clubs involved there. Unfortunately, if you haven't been following the situation, he was making a move from Nantes to Cardiff, and unfortunately, his plane went down missing in the English Channel, and they have officially called off the search for him. It does not look like they will find him or recover anything from him or the plane or the pilot who was on the plane with him. Again, all of our thoughts and prayers to his family, to both clubs, and everyone affected by this awful, awful tragedy. This is one of the worst things you can see as a fan and from all of us here at Atlanta United Fan TV, and I think I can speak for all of us from Atlanta United, all of our thoughts are with you. And that's it for us today. Remember to subscribe to us if you haven't already, and leave us a review and rating so we can pop up higher in your rankings. And for Tanner, I'm AJ. Thanks so much for listening. Yeah.